Hello, my friend. Jeff C. here with a great new resource that I put together just for you. It's a complete database of all the tools that I use to create content and run my business. I've got apps, software, hardware, and even my favorite AI tools. It's easy to find what you need and tells you exactly how I'm using them in my business. To get access to my toolbox, just go to jeffc.com forward slash toolbox. That's J-E-F-F. S is in Sam, I-E-H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mama had me learn it. So go check it out. And if you haven't heard me say it in a while, I appreciate you listening, my friend. And now, on with the episode. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts, innovators, creators, storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Construction Zone. Uh, welcome to Social Media News Live. They are actually, I, I'm traveling right now, and for some reason, these people outside my window on the 12th floor are grinding stuff. So I'm going to mute myself really quick and let Grace uh, take over the show until they go away. So, Grace, take it away. This is the beauty of live video. Have you? Did you start the podcast machine, Jeff? You start the podcast? Okay, great. So hello, welcome to Social Media News Live. We are live from Jeff's construction site on the 12th floor of some random hotel in Miami. So <laughs> we have a great show for you, but uh, today we're gonna be talking about creating connections with virtual events, and we have none other than the awesome Mike Alton here. Oh, Justin's like, hey, and we're live. Yep, that's exactly what it was, and this didn't start until like five minutes before we were about to go live. Jeff, unmute, let's let everyone hear what's happening. Yeah, so can you hear it outside my door right now? That's what's happening. They're like grinding something. And I'm on the 12th floor and they're outside hanging from like, like I wish I could show it, but I'm I, anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute again. I'll pop in when hopefully they leave. So Grace, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Well, hey, it's the beauty of live video. And what's really funny about this is Jeff's on the road. So we have been planning and preparing for this show for like weeks, I mean, like like last two weeks. And this is the only thing we did not prepare for, Jeff, <laughs> like, like for the sound. But anyway, welcome to Social Media News Live. I am Grace Stuffy, and you're not. And I have Jeff C. <laughs> off to the side. He is waving. Um, say hi, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still going on. It's still. It sounds like I ate at Mexican last night, but I'm like, it's it's like it's 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 not my intestines, really. It's they're outside the room. Well, this is a show that keeps like you story. up to date on what's happening in the world of social media, and today we have on our guest our friend, Mike Alton, who is the head of strategic partnerships uh, over at Agora Pulse. We're going to talk about virtual events from an uh, attendee and from the brand perspective, because as we know, virtual events are on the rise, they continue to be, but I think everyone is looking for something more than just the, the webinars, the Zoom fatigue. So we've invited Mike here to share his expertise and insights on raising the bar in virtual events and also the best way to approach them as a way to connect, to network, and to create memorable experiences. Mike, how are you today? Well, I have to say, I think this was planned because I've been begging Jeff to be on the show 
ever since the before the first episode and obviously he chose the one episode where he knew he'd be at some random hotel it's like whatever this is going to be you know a blow-off episode anyway so let's let's bring mike let's bring mike in because you know he doesn't need to so i can talk when they like stop so (laughs) i i'm like have to be really quick on the mute button by the way if you're going to go to see what my setup was today um it, it was pretty cool i'm using this new uh thing for speedify because this show as always is brought to us by our friends over at ecam social media news live com forward slash ecam and the cool thing is is i'm using speedify to connect all my there thank you mike thank you very much um, it, off ecam. it connects all my connections with this uh that works with ecam it's called speedify and i can actually go on the road i'm using my iphone camera uh into ecam and i don't have to carry a big huge you know camera around they're also they just released a new beta about uh, a virtual mic so you can use these different you don't have to use loopback and all this stuff in ecamm you can just go right in so many cool things and i actually was emailing them this morning going how do i do this why isn't this working their support is amazing so make sure you guys go check out socialmedianewslive.com forward slash ecamm they're amazing check my check out my instagram you'll see my setup and how easy it is to go live from wherever you're at even if there is no jackhammer or not uh outside your window on the 12th floor um it allows you to go live whenever and the mute button is very very handy <laughs> and you can take I was talking setup, to Ken so. and Glenn, and I think they're going to create a virtual studio where you can go live from a remote location and you don't have to deal with sound outside your window. The That'll key the is to feature. get a throwaway guest that you can just bring in oh, so you don't oh. have to. <laughs> See, I heard what you're saying. And here yeah. we go. Yeah, here we go. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let so, me. Okay. Let, let me let me get this while I can still talk. Okay, Grace. Can I can I introduce okay. Mike because he is. I mean, yes. he is my oldest yes. internet friend. And if you don't know who Mike Alton is, he is the head of strategic <laughs> partnership at Agora Pulse. Um, and like I like Grace said, we invited him to come in today and talk to us all about virtual events because he has really kind of blossomed in this area in the last what two or three years, Mike, where you've really started doing this. Um, and he is the award-winning blogger, speaker, and author at the Social Media Hat and Blogging Brute, which is a great name. I wonder who came up with that. Um, but um, he's also co-founder of the 360 Marketing Squad with some of our great friends um, over there with Stephanie Liu, Jen Herman, uh, Amanda Robinson. And he has uh, co-authored the book, The Ultimate Guide to Social Media Marketing. And uh, so excited that you're here with us today, Mike, to talk about virtual events. Like I said, he's one of my oldest internet friends i think we gosh it's got to be like seven years and he was one of the original manly pinterest tips guys so there you go mike thanks so much thank you thanks for doing that intro (laughs) yeah so because i got to get in when i can because i just don't know what's going to happen you don't know what's going to (laughs) happen well mike thank you for joining us on the show today i think the last time you and i really chatted was when restream partnered with agora pulse on a very cool virtual event at the Gorbals Agency Summit. I think that was like June 2021. I remember I was on the road when we were planning and talking about all that. And I have to say your materials, your resources from a brand sponsor perspective were spot on. Everything from social media copy to images, the virtual booth setup, the way that you had it all uh, lined up was just amazing. So when we say that he has nailed this virtual event space, I am talking from experience I've experienced it both as an attendee and as a brand sponsor, sponsor and as a partner. So that was just really terrific. So 
I want to know, how long did it take you to organize that summit from initial idea to execution? Because it was, from my perspective, flawless. You don't have to tell me if it wasn't on your end or not, but I was really blown away by your execution on that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you share the perception that it was flawless because as an event organizer, we know there's no such thing as a flawless event, right? There's always things that go wrong, but the hope is that our attendees and our, and our brand partners notice as little of that sort of blip as, as possible. So that particular event probably took about a quarter to plan and pull off, but I'd been doing those kinds of events for years, uh, like, like Jeff suggested. I started doing virtual events in 2018 and was doing them every quarter for a while. I think in 2020, we did one every single quarter. Uh, we focused on different social platforms uh, that particular year. And so with Agency Summit, I had the benefit of having done something very, very similar many times up until then. I already knew, for instance, um, how to organize my schedule for the day. I've got this master Google sheet that I use that I've sort of been, I, I kind of adopted as a habit uh, from early on where I put all my speakers, all my sessions, all my sponsors, you know, everything that I'm gonna need to know. And as I'm building out the summits or the events, everything that happens, everything that needs to be figured out, everything goes into that sheet. Uh, so I have a central place where everything can be found i can share that i can export it i use that to build like you said social shares i'll export a csv of all the session titles with their links and the speakers and everything so the experience helps right having that uh, multiple virtual events under your belt and it not being your first time because if it's your first time putting on an event you're going to need to give yourself quite a bit more time so can you talk to us a little bit about um there, I, I know, especially with everything that's happened with the, you know, COVID and everyone's kind of moved to this virtual hybrid events. There's, can you talk about like what platform, like what you use, like software wise, and maybe also like, you know, what's worked best for you and also what should you look for in a software when you're trying to create a virtual event? Well, that's a that's a great question because there are a lot of options, right? Particularly today, this this what we call a MarkTech stack, a marketing tech stack. We're familiar with having so many choices for even the most niche kinds of activities that we might want to do. And with this proliferation of virtual events over the past couple of years, the virtual event uh, you know options when it comes to software have really exploded. There's more options, and then there's better options. So I'll tell you, I started in 2018. That was the very first what I would call a virtual event that I put on. And it was really just a series of webinars. Uh, we used a, a platform at the time called Livestorm. And it was just 16 individually scheduled webinars spread out over three weeks. Um, and it, it was terrible. Uh, it wasn't really Livestorm's fault that it was terrible. It was my fault as the planner. You had to register 16 times if you wanted to attend all 16 sessions of that particular virtual event. Now, since then, I think Livestorm has added additional summit type capability at the time they were really just a pure webinar but i moved on to hey summit they were on probably AppSumo as a deal and so we used hey summit for a number of events and hey summit gave us the benefit of giving attendees a single place to register and sign in and then consume all the different sessions that we had planned at that particular time i outgrew hey summit mostly because i wanted to create 
events that were much more engaging, much more interesting uh, to attendees rather than, like you said, Grace, having just a series of webinars and, and Zoom type presentations. So we tried Run the World and then eventually we moved on to AirMe and that's what we used for Agency Summit. And that's one of my favorite, most preferred event platforms today. There are some similar comparable options like Hopin and Cvent as well. But what I love about these platforms is they create a more immersive experience rather than just having a presenter speak to the audience. Maybe there's comments, maybe there's a little bit of engagement with the audience. What we're creating with platforms like AirMeet is the opportunity to actually connect one-on-one -on -one or many-to-many -many amongst the attendees. It's something that I often call a magical moment where you create a little bit of space, a little bit of an opportunity for a couple of your attendees to meet each other and then for something to happen. And as the event organizer, that's not up to us what happens. We're just creating that space. Right. So what I'm talking about is like table talks. I'm talking about you know being able to have personal one-on-one -on -one conversations, like direct messages basically within the event platform. And of course, creating this overall experience that's that's branded that's inclusive that's diverse that has elements of the brand or the vision for the event again more than just you know going into like a, like a google meet or a zoom you know where you know that's what you're doing you know you're just attending a video call of some kind we wanted it to be more uh particularly with agency summit which I was actually just, just sharing earlier this week. I don't know that I'd really told anybody this. Agency Summit, had it not been for the pandemic, well, first of all, it wouldn't have occurred. And second of all, it would have been a live in-person event in Paris. It was supposed to be Social Media Day Paris. In spring of 2020, I had on the roadmap for Agora Pulse that year, that later that year, we were going to hire an event coordinator. I was going to have somebody boots on the ground in Paris who could speak French, who could help me, you know, figure out the venue and the caterers and all the other kinds of contractors that we would need to have in Paris because uh, my French is not good. And we would have been bringing influencers and speakers into Paris. We would have been you know, putting on a ticketed event, uh, creating content, having a hybrid of in-person and virtual, but mostly focused on the in-person experience of Agora Pulse hosting this massive event in Paris. And then everything got shut down. So fast forwarding to you know, 2021, we're like, okay, we wanted to do another virtual event. I'd already done events focused on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, and kind of felt like we needed to do something a little more focused on a particular segment of our target audience agencies. And that's when I started to look around and I found AirMeet. And one of the first things that I was just blown away by, by AirMeet in their demo, was that when you come into the AirMeet venue, they call it. Basically, when you log in as an attendee, that entire experience is customizable. And so I was able to work with my design team and the AirMeet team just through their normal functionality and create a venue vision that kind of made it feel like you were in Paris and you weren't on 
just another Zoom call. We had a video embedded in the screen where I wanted it, uh, where it was like where we had a TV in the graphic and we were able to autoplay that video. And I was able to have my head of customer success, Christelle Comary, with her beautiful French accent welcoming you. Nice French music playing in the background. She's telling you not only thank you and welcome you know to Agency Summit, but here's where you go to do different things. And then we'll, we'll get back to this in a minute because uh, that was really important. But she was able to create that experience. And so that's that's why we use AirMeet. That's fantastic. Oh, Yeah, it's still going on. Jeff still still going on. Thing. No, still going on. You go ahead. Still happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to wrap my head around how you were able to take this, this big event, that this in-person event that you were dreaming of that sounds amazing. I'm just sitting here like I can taste the French bread right now like as you were talking about that. <laughs> like, oh, this event in Paris and to take it to this virtual space. Like, I, you know, there is some, you know, yeah, we're talking about like networking at these events. And I wanted to kick off the show also talking about this attendee experience. But you hit on something, um, I think, really on point here, which is there's a huge difference between an in-person event where you are um, there, right? Like you're not at home. And many of us were at home or still working uh, while we're while we're attending these virtual events. And it's easy it's easy to get distracted because you're not there. You're not creating the space in your own mind, I think, as an attendee to be there, right? Like if I was, if we were attending in Paris, I'd be in Paris, I'd be at this event, I'd be there, you know, as a sponsor. And we were, uh, I think my man, my manager was a speaker at this event as well. So we would have definitely have been there in person, right? And experiencing that. And, you know, so when you're virtual, there's not a lot of that opportunity for that, like, side those like opportunity for side casual conversations you're you know you're not in that space and it's also kind of hard to stand out and create those connections engage on the chats in the chat section right the chat segment of 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 these virtual events and so i want to know what advice you have as far as connecting networking and creating that space you need to create these magical meaningful moments when you are an attendee at a virtual event and how you can make the most of the experience that we do have available to us, which is hybrid or virtual right now. Yeah, that's such an important question because as an event organizer, it's inherent on us, whether it's a virtual event, a hybrid event, an in-person event, whatever that event is, it's inherent on us to understand the human psychology and the behavior tendencies of the people who are attending the event. And I'll get to why in just a moment, but they did this interesting straw poll at uh, Fireside Chat I was on with Airmeet, and they asked all the attendees of, of that particular talk, what has been your experience creating networking opportunities for your events? And over half of the people who were attending that particular talk were not creating dedicated networking opportunities in their events. And of the half that weren't, 30% were doing networking breaks. And here's mm -hmm. the problem with the networking break and why psychology is so important. We've all been to events like social media marketing world and content marketing world and so on. And if there's a networking break, what they're saying is here's 15 minutes between sessions, go outside, use the restroom, grab some coffee and talk to some of the people that you run into in, in the hallway, which makes a lot of sense. When we all stream out of Peg Fitzpatrick's session, and we're bumping shoulders because it was standing room only, right? Those are easy opportunities to look at the person next to you and say, oh, hey, Grace, how you doing, right? That, that yeah. That's easy. 
if you guys were to give me a networking break right now and I stand up and walk outside my room, who am I going to run into? Nobody. <laughs> There's nobody here for me to network with on a networking break. So from a virtual event organizer perspective, you've got to look at things differently. You can't do the same exact things that we've done in real life, so to speak, at the in-person events. So one of the things that I often do is start off a virtual event with what's called speed networking. And again, this is one of the fun new features that the platforms have kind of evolved and released over, over the past couple of years. But with speed networking, just like speed dating, you get matched up with one other person. And it's usually random, although as an event organizer, like if we're using AirMeet, I can mess with it a little bit uh, in terms of who gets selected and paired with whom. But generally speaking, we allow 30 minutes and you get automatically paired with one other person for five minutes. And as the event organizer, I can give some prompts in terms of questions that uh, you might ask or things you might say, hey, I'm Mike Alton. I'm from St. Louis. I work for Agora Pulse. I can't wait to hear Jeff's session on Pinterest, mostly because he tells the funniest stories. And you just you just got to hear about him peeing from the second floor of his house. That's the best story. And I hope he shares it. <laughs> that might be something I share, right? Just to break the ice with yeah. somebody else. Yeah. And we've got you know now four more minutes and this person's going to introduce themselves and so on. And then after five minutes, we get bumped over to the next person, the next person, the next person. So after 30 minutes, and again, this is the first session of the day. It's the only thing going on. If we were having a, a, an event tomorrow and you logged in at 9 a.m. your time, this is what would be on the schedule, speed networking. After 30 minutes, you've met five new people. And the thing about virtual events today is if we were having a virtual event and a thousand people were showing up, how many of them would you know? Very few. Most of them are going to be yeah. complete strangers. And so we do the speed networking first so that you meet five new people. Now, these aren't going to be your best friends today. You just met them, but you know them now. I've met Dustin and Ian and Chris and so on. And so now we go into the keynote session and let's all pretend for a moment that this is the keynote and I'm giving the keynote. Well, I see Sabrina and Ian and Chris and Dustin in the comments, but they also see each other. And maybe some mm -hmm. of them were just in that speed networking session a moment ago. So when Ian says something and Dustin knows him, Dustin's a little bit more inclined to respond to Ian. And that gets the conversation going a little bit more. That makes it a little more comfortable, particularly for us more introverted folks to be willing to post a comment, be willing to post a question, be willing to put ourselves out there a little bit more. That's the human psychology and the behavioral science that needs to go into thinking through what is going to make my event the most successful. This is the first key point. It's got to be engaging. And by engaging, we mean the individuals who are attending have to want to be there. They have to be actively participating. Because you actually said this a moment ago, Grace, you suggested that at a virtual event, we can also be working. Yeah, which is true. I yeah. could be blogging right now. I maybe am blogging right now. You don't know. <laughs> his, other hand, his other hand didn't. So, um, so uh, Dustin says, you know, this is why this Mike is a genius. So yes. I would agree uh, with that as well. So, so when you're talking about this, Mike, I'm thinking a lot of this has to be done before the event because you have to educate these people, get them psyched up, start the networking early. And so you can't just show up and have a virtual event and just go, okay, 
network because that's not going to work, especially with these hybrid virtual events. So can you talk a little bit about maybe like incentives, what you would do? Like, is there prizes that you would mm -hmm. give in these breakout rooms? I mean, how can you get people, you know, because everybody's like, that's virtual. I'm just going to sit there and not say anything because you talked about psychology. How do, is, do you add like, I'll give you 10 bucks if you network with 10 people. I don't know. You know, what do you, <laughs> what are some ideas that you can do to help um, like incentivize this networking at these virtual events? Yeah, that's that's fantastic point because you're right. You have to do a little more education upfront, and it's true for the in-person events too. I mean, we're seeing it right now uh, in you know social media marketing world's coming up in a couple months, mm -hmm. and there's a Facebook group, and people are talking in the Facebook group. They're setting the stage for things like going out to lunch. They're they're prompting the attendees in advance. Hey, be thinking about where you're going to go eat and who you might go eat with. And so they're preparing the way. You can do the same thing with virtual events. You can have a Facebook group. You can communicate via email, however you want. And you can say things like, hey, we're going to start the day with speed networking. And this is what that means. You're going to love it. You're going to have a great time. You're going to meet some people. And it's going to be super easy. You can prompt them and start getting them thinking about, oh, okay, I can do this. Because <laughs> again, the introverts are not going to want to do it. Uh, they're no. going to want to sit there a little bit more passively, but we got to pull them in a little bit more. It also helps to have some ringers, uh, you know, some people that you know that you've tapped in advance. I, I saw Chris in the comments earlier as a great example. Uh, we had a scheduled time midday for table talks. These are basically video calls of up to eight people at once. And when you go into the platform, they're represented by two-dimensional tables with chairs around them. And the platform will show little small miniature cameras with the person's face or their avatar so you can see who's sitting at an individual table. Now, if you've ever gone to any kind of event that has tables and there's an empty table on a particular topic, do you really want to be the first person to sit down at that table? It's like being the first person at a party. That's not necessarily the position most of us want to be in, but you can decide in advance as the event organizer, I want to have a table about Amazon live shopping and who better to have hosting that table than Chris Stone. Now, Chris doesn't have to teach anything. He just has to be there and guide the conversation mm -hmm. as a table host. And he did a great job of that. So that's one easy way to do that. Um, the other thing that you're going to want to do is making sure that everybody knows as they enter the event where to go to get to these kinds of activities. You can you can call it a lounge, but that isn't necessarily going to mean the same thing to everybody else. So that's where the video and that kind of onboarding, so to speak, happens best. But the other question you asked, Jeff, was about rewards and incentives and gamification. So I stole a page, uh, almost literally, uh, from another event and implemented networking bingo. So I created an event guidebook. Uh, it was just a PDF that we emailed in advance to attendees, like the week before. We also put it in the Facebook group. And the event guidebook had you know all the speakers, all the sessions, all the sponsors, all that stuff was in there. But it also had a page, like a bingo card. And every block was something of interest, something that was possible some aspect of each possible attendee. I've started a podcast. I blog. I run an agency. I handle Facebook ads. Those kinds of things that you could go up to somebody and show them the car and say, hey, do you run Facebook ads? Do you have a blog? Do you run a live show? Have you ever hosted a live show uh, You know, on multiple social networks reaching hundreds of people? Well, 
yes, as a matter of fact, I have. I'm Jeff C. So you put their person's name down on that bingo card, and that's something you can only do when you're networking. You can only do that if you're doing the speed networking or the table talks and you're actively engaging with other people. And we rewarded that we said, hey, you know, be one of the first people to upload your your bingo card or your networking bingo card and you'll win a prize. And these were significant prices. These weren't 10 bucks. These were, you know, $50, $100 Amazon gift cards, yeah. uh, probably gave away a free year of Agora Pulse, which was worth a couple thousand dollars. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we, we put some cash into that idea because it works. It did get people talking. Again, you'll always have people that are super reluctant. They're back here. They just want to passively consume. They don't want to be called out. And that's okay. We don't have to get 100% participation. But every little bit more that we do increases the number of people that actively engage with the event. And that helps the entire thing just build a, a memorable experience for everybody. Absolutely. And that's one of the things when we talk about events, it's always like, yeah, you know, there's the speakers and the content, but everyone always comes away with like the networking, the people, the connections that they meet. And that's why you travel to these places or log on or, you know, participate in your in your bingo. So I love all of those ideas. Um, I want to switch the focus now to sponsoring virtual events, which, of course, is a personal interest of mine because i actually joined restream last year as the virtual events manager but i have to tell you you know coming from social media marketing world and then doing live video or social media examiner and you know who of course hosts social media marketing world coming up and uh, doing live video is a great fit but when it actually came down to vetting the events and there were so many to decide what to sponsor what to speak at and even what to attend it was really difficult to decide, and especially because at that time, many people were not like you. They were, they had, this was still brand new. So although virtual events were not unknown, they were still fairly novel. And a lot of organizers were coming into it, having done in-person events with the ex experience and the expertise of that experience, that in-person event. And we're still trying to figure out. So honestly, there was a lot of I, I have no idea what to expect. I don't know what to know. I don't know how many people are going to sign on. I don't know. So, you know, as a, as a brand sponsor, looking at these things, it's hard to be like, well, they don't know if they're going to have 100 people or 1,000 people. We're just going to have to see. You know, that's a big gamble. But it didn't take long, of course, for people to start um, catching on to this and, and knowing how to use it and how to utilize it. But I want to know from your perspective as someone who is organizing this, these events and had talked to many sponsors. You, of course, work for brand yourself, so you understand where I'm coming from, from a brand perspective. What were some of the things that sponsors were, uh, as you're approaching sponsors or they're approaching you, what were some of the questions they asked and what were, what did they want to know before committing to an event? Yeah, this is such an important part of the conversation, right? How do we get sponsors involved and engaged, whether it's a brand partner where they're not necessarily paying for that engagement, maybe like in, in our case, um, you know, we're looking to lean on the brand partners to help expand the reach uh, of, of the event, or maybe it's an actual revenue driver for your event. And, and you need the sponsor to come in to help supplement the revenue that's coming in on, on top of ticket sales. One of the first things they're going to look for is, you know, where's the value? What am I going to get for my involvement, whether it's, it's cash or, or marketing? And this is where, again, it took me a while to find the right combination of, of platform and approach, 
the earlier platforms that, that we were using a couple of years ago, the best that I could basically do for a brand partner was give them speaking space. Like they were able to conduct a session and they were able to approach the attendees in that way. And that's not the best solution in, in most events because let's be honest, if I'm an attendee and I see that brand is giving a session, I'm probably going yeah. to assume it's going to be a sales pitch, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, yes. I, I made that mistake as an attendee once. I went to a lunch and learn session at Content Marketing World a few years ago, and and it was just a sales pitch from the brand. And I actually got up and left because I was like, this is this is not a good use of my time. With a virtual event attendee, the consequences could be even worse because they could just close the tab and yeah. leave your event entirely, right? If I walk out of a room at the, was it the Hyatt Convention Center in, in Cleveland? Well, there's 20 other rooms for me to walk into and it's not like I'm going to leave the building. I'm going to go to something else. Uh, but yeah. it's, again, this is that behavioral. We need to you know be mindful of the fact that it's a lot easier for a virtual attendee to choose to do something else. So we want to avoid those kinds of, of pitfalls. So what I've been looking for and found in some of the more recent uh, platforms, again, like AirMeet, Hopin, Run the World, is a sponsor booth. So basically, we create an exhibition hall and we create a booth space on the virtual platform. And the best platforms, it's more than just a graphic with information about the brand because that's just an online brochure. What we created with AirMeet with, at the Agency Summit, like, like you guys got to experience, was the opportunity for attendees to enter the booth and to mm -hmm. engage with the sponsors who are physically there at the booth. And they can have a live video call. They can have a video playing. They can make use of the same table talk technology inside the booth. So just like we're going to have a booth at a social media marketing world in six weeks at Agora Pulse, you can walk into the booth. We have a 10 by 10 space. You can get a demo from one of our sales staff. You can talk to me. We can go sit down at a table and we can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation if we want to. All that's possible on the virtual event space. Um, the key there is to educate the sponsors in advance. And, th and this is kind of the point that you were making, Grace, is that they kind of get it today. Mm -hmm. But they're still not quite there, particularly if they've never done it before. And and I had a lot of partners involved with Agency Summit. I think we ended up with over 50 partners at the end by the time we actually launched the event in June. And many of them had never participated in a virtual event in that way. So it was incumbent on me to educate them, just like I'm having to educate my speakers and I'm having to educate the attendees on how to do the different things and how to get from A to B. I'd educate the sponsors. The more education that I could do in advance, the more planning and prep, the better everyone was going to be. I was able to tell them, look, here's our event schedule. And we've got specific times where we're prompting attendees to come into the lounge or to go to the exhibition hall and learn about some of our other fabulous partners. And we're going to have a global chat where you'll be able to send announcements and you'll be able to tell attendees, hey, we're going live in the Restream booth. We're going live in the Ecamm booth to talk about whatever it is that we're doing and showing off today. So we were able to plan that out and tell them this is when you're going to want people there from your brand because they don't have to be there all day, but they should okay. be there during the peak times. 
And then we also give them opportunities to talk to the attendees in a community. This is another point that I make often is that the best events have some kind of community outside of the event, whether it's a Facebook group and it's just for the event, or they've got some Slack channel or other kind of community that's around the brand where they talk about their events. Uh, like we're building social media pulse community for Agora Pulse. That's going to be a completely off social media community. And when that's ready, there's going to be channels and user groups and that sort of thing for the different events that we're having. So all the people who attend agency summit in this year can join that community there and get to know each other, get to know the brand, get to know the speakers better before, during, and after the event. Mm -hmm. So the more of these kinds of things that you can do, the more successful every single one of these tactics will be, including the sponsorships. Absolutely. So just to recap everything that you just said, because I'm absorbing this in real time as well, <laughs> is that one, you want to look for, um, you want to look for a place where the, where you're able to talk, there, there's a space, a virtual space. And by the way, side note, uh, the, the Airtable or Airme, excuse me, experience was, it was like the metaverse, right? It was like, here's a screen, here's this place where you could sit. I mean, it was like, I was building my own little like Barbie dream house for restream within your conference. So that was like, that was a really good experience. And then you also look for something that has, um, an established community, right? And then, um, what else should sponsors you know, expect going into a virtual event, like going into these virtual events, because I know we talk about things in terms of like, is this really meeting the customers I want? Is this meeting my ROI? And of course, every brand, every business has their own separate goals. But what should they be expecting in terms of results when you're talking about a virtual event as opposed to something, high, you know, um, in person where a lot of the ROI, I would have to say, is like the human connection, right? And this one is, you're still getting the human connection, but it's, it, it, you know, like it's easy to put a link up there and be like, well, no one clicked on the link, right? Or like, you know, is that really realistic to expect that from this type of, this type of space? Yeah, if you're a brand and you're considering being involved <clears throat> with somebody's event, definitely take a close look at their landing page for the event and who they're talking to. Maybe they're explicitly saying, maybe it's implied through the messaging, but you have to get a really good sense. You have to be solid in your idea that this particular event is in fact going to be talking to my target audience, at, at least a healthy segment. You know, maybe they're talking to multiple audiences and, and yours is just one of several, but it, that audience has to be there or it's not a good fit and, and you should pass. There's lots of opportunities, lots of different events to choose from. So take a look at that first. And then second, you gotta go into it with the understanding and the expectation that the attendees are there to learn and network. They're not there to be sold to. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is true with pretty much every event, right? But it's doubly true, I think, with virtual events, because again, we've got so many things going on. It's so easy for me to do something else. I don't need to log into a virtual event on my computer to be sold to when I have just as easy access to the company's website or YouTube or something like that. Now, event attendees will go to in-person events with some other kinds of goals. Attendees will walk through the exhibition hall at an in-person event sometimes with the idea of having some demos and, and comparing different tools and options and that sort of thing, that's less likely to happen in a virtual event, mostly because lack of experience. I, I said, you know, just a couple of years ago, you couldn't have the same kind of ex exhibition hall experience on a virtual stage like we can today. So this will become a little bit more of the norm going forward. But for now, at least 
attendees aren't looking to be sold. So you have to ask yourself as the brand, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to activate, which is the real, that's the buzzword among event organizers, right? How are we going to activate <laughs> the attendees? How are we going yes. to get them interested in talking to us as a brand? And, and here's where it's really beneficial to have that mindset of, well, what can we teach them? How can we help them? How can we show them that we understand what they're going through and we're here to help them in some way. Um, so one of the great things that I've seen some brands do is not just have a live demo, but have a live workshop in their booth, right? Maybe the event organizer mm -hmm. doesn't want to give them space on the agenda for a full session. But if we're using AirMeet, you can go live in your booth space anytime you want. So you can decide 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, we're going to do a live workshop in our booth about how to set up your live streaming studio. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, if you're at an event with marketing folks, you're going to get a bunch of people to show up at your impromptu workshop. It just happens to be put on by Restream, right? So yeah. that would be yeah. a great fit for Restream. Grace is writing this down right now. She's like, I'm, I'm writing it down. I, I so too, I'm writing a blog post. That's the kind of thing I would recommend doing it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Writing this yeah, all down. so maybe it's a live show, you know, maybe it's a workshop, maybe it's a resource, maybe it's a PDF, it's a white paper, something like that, but have something planned that you can offer the attendees that will genuinely help them. That's, that's my tip for for sponsors. I love that advice. Now, now we've been talking. Now, I, I, I will take ownership of this. So we've been, we've been talking about these virtual events as catching up to in-person events, right? But let's talk about the ways that virtual events are actually far superior to in-person events. Like, what are some of the advantages of a virtual event that you can't do with that in-person? What are the benefits? And also, maybe what are some of the pitfalls? Because I don't think that my opinion that you can compare the two. They're just two completely different things. But in the last year, the last two years we've been in, it's almost been like, we want to hurry up and replace these. Like, you know, you had this dream of this like event in Paris and now we're doing this, but I don't think that your event, I think it's just different than your, the event you would have had in Paris. It's not better or less than it's just different. So what are some of the advantages of virtual uh, that you can't have with in person? Well, there's always been the advantage of being able to reach people who never would have been able to travel to your physical event. And that just happens to be more true now than ever. But it was always true before, right? If you have an event in Cleveland, Ohio, you, you can't expect a lot of people internationally to be able to travel there. There's a great expense. There's a much greater time commitment. Uh, plus there's all the logistics of having to get visas and that sort of thing if you're coming from outside the country. And if you're having an event outside of the United States, but you're trying to reach people in the United States, now you've got even more psychological issues where, you know, there's just a lot of people here don't want to try to travel outside the country. That's um, probably true elsewhere as well. So the virtual solution that's, you know, that, that all gets pushed to the side. Anybody in the world can come to my event. Timing is a little bit of an issue, but if you schedule it carefully and you make the replays available, timing becomes less of an issue. And the replays is a second benefit. If you have an in-person event, you can film it and you can put that film on line or you can try to live stream it, but there's usually delay and lag and processing and that sort of thing. Whereas if it's virtual, Everything's broadcast instantly and it's available instantly 
on demand. And that's a feature that you can promote to all of your attendees. It's, hey, you can we can have multiple sessions going on at the same time. Or if you don't want to attend this session, you can take that time to go watch some of the other on-demand content or the sessions from this morning or yesterday or however you want to organize your event. So that makes that kind of a technical aspect quite a bit easier. The challenge, like we've mentioned a couple times, is it's easy for people to choose to leave your event. So you have to make it a little bit more engaging. But then also is an opportunity for us to reach people who are a little more introverted. There are people who attend in-person events who do not want to talk to the other people at the in-person event. They show up, they've got their laptop, they sit in the back and they watch the speaker and then they close their laptop and they leave because they're they're very introverted. Those kinds of people tend to be a little more comfortable typing a comment on the screen. They tend to be a little bit more comfortable opening up behind the screen. So there's those kinds of aspects that you can overcome from a virtual perspective. The final thing that I'll say is that there's opportunities on the virtual stage to do things a little differently, a little more fun and interesting, like group selfies. You can do cocktail parties. You can do table talks rather seamlessly. You can do breakout rooms. Like we could be having a session right now on AirMeet and we could say, okay, I've done my 10 minute spiel on this particular topic. Now we're going to break into groups and I can click a button and everybody watching right now is going to be funneled into breakout rooms and they don't have to be necessarily seated at the same table or anything like that. That can all happen seamlessly. And then I can bring you all back into the main stage and we can all have a conversation that way. So those kinds of things you can do quite a bit easier. You can let people take the mic and go on camera and ask questions Um, similar to how you might walk up and ask a question in a live situation but it's still a little bit different. Uh, So we're Mm -hmm. trying to do a lot of the same things because people are used to those. If they've been to in-person events, they're familiar with how that works. So you're right, things are different, but we also try to have the metaphors in place so that there's at least a little bit easier of understanding. Yeah, and that was my big that was my big question when it came to virtual events was that you know, those little side conversations you have like the per- you bump into each other over the snack table or you make some funny comment or you're, because you're experiencing things and so I, I like that the idea of those breakout rooms and those smaller spaces because I personally I, I'm very extroverted but I still like smaller spaces like I don't like competing with a room of like a thousand people from all over the world, all commenting or whatever. So I like that idea of creating the, that space to have those little one-on-one side conversations and to talk, talk to each other off, off stage, right? Off to the side. Hey, let me ask you a question because I have a pause right now. Okay, uh, okay, Mike, okay. they're not jackhammering <laughs> outside my window. So Mike, so I've been able to go to, um, uh, a couple of events like uh, Lou Magello's Momentum and like uh, Janet Murray in the UK, and there had requirements for speakers to s- not just fly in and fly out, but stay there at the event and really interact with the, the people. Um, and I'm thinking that could be a way also, if you're doing a virtual event, like have these requirements that you will have access to the speaker, they're going to be there in those breakout rooms. Is that something that you see is going to happen more and more is that people want that I guess, connection and they will go to those events. So like I can sit down in a small room and ask Mike Alton questions about blogging, you know, that he's been doing for a while. Is that something that maybe um, for those people who do not like to sit, you know, and, and like maybe 
talk face to face that might be appealing to those people who like to sit in the back and just type out questions? Absolutely. In fact, that again is one of the elements of in-person events that we have tried and we are in the process of figuring out, okay, how do we replicate that in a virtual stage? For instance, one of the first times I went to social media marketing world, one of the people I had been connected to on Twitter, but had never met in person and wanted to was Amy Schmidauer, who's now Amy Landino. So I met Amy at Social Media Marketing World 2016, and I met her because I went to her session and I waited until the end. I stood in line. There was a queue up front after she spoke and, and I got to meet her and, and she recognized me and we took a selfie and everything. It was wonderful. So that kind of thing doesn't really happen automatically in a virtual event. You have to plan it. And I'm going to say that word a lot. So you have to plan that. So Having the understanding between speakers when you're asking them to speak, hey, I would like you to do a session. I would also like you, if you're willing, to host a table talk afterwards. That makes a lot of sense, and it works really, really well. It doesn't necessarily have to be required. That's up to you as the event organizer. Maybe that speaker doesn't have time. Maybe they're paid. We'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure. But if, if that is an option, it's a great one. The other great option that a lot of speakers will take advantage of is with a platform like AirMeet. Again, I don't mean to keep plugging them, but it just happens to be the one I used. Um, you can create tables yourselves, right? So like if we were having an event right now and I was speaking and I was seeing a lot of questions that we didn't have time to get to, I could say, hey, my session's about to end, but meet me over in the lounge. I'm gonna create a quick table and we can jump over there and continue the conversation. It's a wonderful option. A lot of speakers do that again in person, right? They'll have their session and then they'll say, you know, the next, you know, Amy's Porterfield's coming up next. It's her time. So I've got to get off the stage. Meet me outside in the hallway, right? That's how you can do the same exact thing on a virtual setting. But the last difference that I'll mention is that we, we've been doing this for a while now at, a, at Agorapulse with our events is we'll talk to our speakers and we'll say, hey, in addition to your talk, can we have 15 minutes of your time the month before and do a quick live Q&A in our community because we can go live into facebook or you can go live into a linkedin you know wherever you want to go live and you can give that speaker 15 minutes to talk about who they are what they do and what is their talk going to be about and they can field some questions and start to generate some buzz about your yeah. event and give that opportunity for the attendees to meet them get to know them ask some questions all in advance so Absolutely. I want to bring up from, I just got a break. Sorry. Sorry, Grace. I'm going to jump in. Go while I can. So Sabrina goes, yes. Uh, yeah, that's me. I want, I will um, talk to people, but I find that nobody, you know, really wants to talk to it at live events. So she concentrates on the speaker, the booths, and she loved the feels of live events and the freebies. So let's talk a little bit about that. What, you know, we talked about like some prizes and stuff. Can you do freebies? I mean, could you like raffle off a weekend with Mike Alton. I mean, I don't know. Uh, what would it, what would it take? Um, but, you know, hint, like, hint, yeah, hint, so, hint. I mean, those freebies, like, how could, because some of it is swag. Like, you go around, like, at a live event, like Social yeah. Media Marketing World, you're trying to get t-shirts, you're trying to get, like, free, you know, software, you know, can you make that feeling happen for the attendees at a virtual event? Yeah, in fact, there's two different ways that we've done it in the past. The first is just a blanket giveaway 
that uh, started in with Hey Summit because they made it really easy. And you can have a giveaway to attendees just for registering. And so at the end, the event platform automatically randomly selects one attendee or however many prizes you want to give away. And those prizes can be anything you imagine. It could be swag. It could be subscriptions. It could be uh, gift cards, you know, unrelated prizes like an iPad or something like that, whatever you want to give away. You just enter that in as the event organizer and let the platform do that for you. You could also have prizes attached to specific sessions or specific booths. All that's doable, all that's automated. You just have to decide in advance what you want to do and then communicate it, right? That's like something you would put on the event landing page. Hey, you know, we're going to be giving away an iPad to our attendees, so make sure you register. That kind of language. The other thing we did was gamify a little bit more and monitor tweets and hashtag use and at mentions and Twitter engagement. We use Metricule to monitor that. And we paid attention and we actually published leaderboards into the community at regular interview intervals. Hey, May King is tweeting up a storm, but Chris is right behind her. Catch up. And again, we would give away prizes uh, for those kinds of activities and really help incentivize. But those were also opportunities to give away swag uh, for a real uh, a real purpose and not just randomly throwing T-shirts or something like that at people. So, okay, let's talk about the, the bottom line for some agencies who are watching and, um, you know, some people may be interested in doing this themselves. Are they worth it, virtual events? Because it's kind of like the you know, stepchild of real events. So like, are, is it really, is it worth me investing time, money, all the thing of pulling speakers together, having backup plans, worrying about, you know, the streaming and all that stuff. Does it really add to the bottom line of a company, say like Agora Pulse or, you know, something like that, of just doing a virtual event? Because, there, you know, it, it seems like everybody went to virtual events because they had to, but now things are opening up and there's this hybrid stuff. I mean, does it really add to the bottom line? Yeah, absolutely. We've been doing these events for a while, like I mentioned, and the average virtual event that I put on has about 3,000 attendees. And if we look at some of the in-person events in the social media space, like there's a bunch of social media day events that happen across the country in June, most of those get one-tenth of that attendance. So right off the bat, my virtual events are dramatically increasing the number of people that are coming in and being exposed to the brand. And these are leads uh, for our company and they're targeted leads, right? If I put on social media pulse, LinkedIn edition, that was an event that I did a couple years ago, focused on LinkedIn, headlined with Melody Dodaro and Goldie Chan. Everybody that attended that event wanted to learn how to leverage LinkedIn. They wanted to learn how to manage LinkedIn on behalf of their company or their agency clients. So these were 100% leads. And we got 4,000 people to attend that conference. And countless numbers of those people went on to become subscribers that are still paying Agorpulse money today. So the revenue generating opportunity out of a virtual event is phenomenal. But the other thing that we've done over time is repurpose the content out of these events. We've turned sessions that speakers gave at the virtual event into ongoing 
aspects of our social media manager school. We've turned them into videos for the YouTube channel. We've turned them into podcast material. We've turned them into training sessions. We've turned them into additional webinars and other kinds of lead generation opportunities. So there's a lot that can be done with the event beyond just the event itself. And the more of these that you do, and you can get some help if you've never done a virtual event before, and make sure you kind of avoid some of the early pitfalls that I went through. But the more of these that you do, the easier they become. Like I said, when I decided to do Agency Summit, I was able to turn it around within a quarter. It was like we decided late Q1 of 2021, hey, agencies are going to be our target audience for the rest of the year. Let's not do, you know, Social Pulse Summit YouTube edition. Let's do an event specifically for agencies. And within a couple months, I had 50 speakers, 50 partners, almost 3,000 attendees. And it was all an entirely new platform. So I kind of made myself work a little bit harder with that particular event because I decided to learn Airmeet. Um, but it worked. It worked great yeah. because I've been doing it for a while. I, you know, I leaned on the past history that I already had in terms of the Google sheet and the, and the, the promotional plan. I already knew the strategy. I already knew a lot of the tactics that I was going to employ. So if you're coming into this cold, give yourself a little more time, like I said, at the outset, but it's a hundred percent worth it, particularly if you can execute it well. Yeah, and you relied on a variety of tools, I, I know, for the Agency Summit, because like I still stumble upon the Google Drive or Google uh, Share files that you shared with me, which has all the speakers, all the all the different things that I like. I happen upon it every once in a while when I'm going to look for something, when I'm looking for like our presentation from that event. And I'm just like, oh, I remember that. I remember how it was just really well done. So I, I like that you used a combination of tools. I wanted to bring up Carolyn's comment here uh, because we we're talking about um, swag and, and uh, Jeff's weekend away with you. <laughs> Hint, hint. <laughs> so she's bringing it up. She says, we have gotten, she said, we have gotten a water bottle from a virtual conference a couple months after the event was over. That's interesting. It was a fun surprise and reminded us to go back and rewatch the playbacks. We forgot to. So I like that, that it was something months later that reminded them to go back and, and rewatch those, um, rewatch the, that, play, um, those playbacks. So that's a good tip. That's a huge point uh, that, that Carolyn's touching on, which is the fact that the communication from your brand to your attendees can't stop at the end of the event, right? That really should just yeah. be the midpoint. The communication starts pre-event when you're bringing them in, you know, you're, you're communicating via ads or social media or earned media and you're getting them to your landing page and you're telling them about your event and they're signing up. Okay, great, that all happens pre-event. Then the day of the event, there's a flurry of activity. But our hope as an event organizer is that everybody that attends our events has some kind of magical moment, like I said earlier, where they meet somebody or they learn something or they create that connection that's going to be incredibly valuable, important to them down the road. So important that they will forever associate that thing with your event and by extension, your brand. I'm here working for Agorapulse. I met Emmerich Ernaud at Social Media Marketing World 2016, and he hired me two years later. I will forever remember that it was Peg Fitzpatrick who introduced me to Emmerich at Social Media Marketing World 2016. I can't not know that fact, and I can't mm -hmm. not associate that positive career trajectory with that particular 
event. So my hope is that people who attend Agency Summit have those kinds of experiences. But then it's still beholden on me to continue that conversation, whether it's via email, whether it's through social posts, whether it's through engaging with user-generated content. I mean, again, hopefully in the social media space in particular, people are tweeting about your events and they're using your event hashtag. Maybe they're not necessarily at mentioning you, but hopefully they're using your event hashtag because you've communicated it right in your event guidebook and your pre-event communications and in your global chat and everything. So they're taking pictures and they're sharing to social media. Engage with that reshare those, revisit it. Like Carolyn said, with some, sending them some swag, sending them an email a couple of weeks later, say, Hey, we just published our post event follow-up and here's your access. Don't forget. You still have some time to catch all the replays, take that step and keep making sure that you're helping your attendees and your audience experience and continue the experience with your event and your brand. Oh, Mike, I absolutely love that story. I too met Jeff at Social Media Marketing World. I think it was the same year, 2016, and now here we are together. I can never unknow that. Sorry, Jeff. So <laughs> we are up against the hour now. I can't now. unsee that. <laughs> I can't unsee that now. I can't unknow that. I cannot untangle myself from this beard. But, you know, it has been a pleasure. Mike, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. We are up to the hour, and I could sit here and talk to you for more hours so about this I, topic and so much more. Oh, you, go ahead, you, you did such a great job, Grace. I'm sorry that I have been quiet most of the time. Most of you guys will probably like that. It's probably like, oh, we should have a jackhammer outside of <laughs> Jeff's uh, camera every time. So Grace talks more. But thank you, Grace, for, for doing this. This is why Grace is amazing. So uh, I want to make sure. And so uh, Sabrina says uh, this conversation with Mike Alton is so good. Thank you so much, I Sabrina. Know. She he is. That's why we keep him around, because he is just chock full of great information. <laughs> nice guy. Uh, make sure you, uh, Mike, before we, we leave, and before something else happens, will you please tell us where the best place it is for people to find about you and everything that you do? Yeah. So like I said, I run our strategic partnerships at Agora Pulse. That just means I'm in charge of the influencers and the brands that we work with, which is why I put on and I'm responsible for our events in person and virtual. But if you want to know more about me personally, follow me on Twitter, Mike underscore Alton, that's A-L-L-T-O-N, or go to the socialmediahat.com. That's where I've been blogging for a decade. I've been sharing a lot more recently about my virtual event experience. because a lot of brands have been coming to me, like, like Grace said, and said, hey, we saw you did this event. We'd like to know more about how you did it. So I've been sharing more about how I do virtual events and how I approach them, the psychology, which I like to geek out about. So if you like to geek out about psychology uh, and, and NLP and those kinds of things, go to the socialmediahat.com. Yeah, he's got a great uh, catalog of blog posts all the way. I think like November up until now, I've been, I, that's what I was reading to prepare for our interview. So <laughs> it is chock full of value. It's chock full of stats. Go to the social media hat and find out more about virtual events. Mike, it has been a pleasure to have you and here. But we, before, uh, before we go, Grace, we got to find out where to find out all about Grace Duffy because you did such an awesome job today. I where am. Can- I I am the video content manager over at Restream. So if you want to know everything there is to know about live streaming from anywhere in the world, including in a hotel room where a jackhammer is outside of it, I am more than happy to help you. So that's where you can find me. And I'll be back again next week with Jeff. Yes. And don't, and, for, and don't forget about our amazing sponsors, Ecamm, where you can find out more about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm, because one of the great things about Ecamm is they have a mute button, uh, which has been just so nice to have today. I've been using it I over think, and over. I, think you, <laughs> yes, I use that quite a bit as well. So. 
So with that, we'll... I'm not able to mute anyone else. Yes. So, <laughs> so with that, we'll yeah. see you guys next time. Thank you for putting up with everything going on today. Mike, thank you so much. Uh, make sure you guys go follow him. And he's got podcasts. He's got blog posts. He's got everything. Socialmediahat.com. Um, he's amazing. And with that, we'll thank you guys for putting up with us today. Brian, Sabrina, Gary, everybody who is in the audience asking great... And Dustin, all the great comments and questions. We will see you next time. Next week, we have Brooke Sellis, who's amazing. Another one of my longtime friends. So uh, make sure you stick around, and I will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Social Media Media News Live.